At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Reel Down on Paddle and Finn. We appreciate you listening. And with me tonight as a co-host, I've got Armando Salah. How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. How you doing, Dan? Good. Uh, the host of Kayak, Bass, and Beers, also here on Paddle and Finn. Bass, uh, Kayak, our... and Beers. There you go, Bass. <laughs> well... Shoot. That's, 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 that's how we're going to start thing. the show. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I kayak bass. Bass, kayak, and beers every bass, Tuesday morning. Yeah. I listen to the show. That's enough. All right. All right. That's cool. All right. I appreciate your support. Yeah. But we, uh, Armando, he fished the the Hobie tournament, but that's, we have two guests, first and second place, uh, Cody Henley and uh, Rolando Nandine from, they, they got first and second in the tournament and the Hobie on Toledo Bend. Armando also fished it. Didn't do quite as well, but yeah. had a good tournament. Yeah. yeah. Saying I fished it is a very loose term, uh, you know, loose use of the term fishing. But yeah, ended up with three total. No, four. Four total fish. Well, I, I, I did worse on Seminole and the Hobie, so that, don't feel bad. I'm never going back there. You keep yeah. saying that every year. This is the second time. This is the second year in a row I heard you say you're not going back to Seminole. Yeah, I'm, well, year. yeah, two years in a row I went. Now I'm never going back. Two is enough. And for some reason, I yeah, I, I love Georgia and Florida, but, but the hey, line there. Yeah. Let's talk about what you did right. You just won a tournament. I mean, let's not focus yeah. on my failure here. You won a tournament. Yeah, I had a good weekend. I'll talk nice. about it later, but I won the Tennessee Valley Kayak Anglers of Chattanooga tournament on Gunnersville, And then second day, that was Saturday, and then Sunday was – the rattle trap only tournament, Bill Lewis tournament. I got fifth in that, one out of the money. But yeah, talk a little bit more about that later after the guys went well. Let's take up too much air time, but so we'll go ahead and bring them on. We got Rolando and Cody. How y'all doing, guys? Hey, guys Great. Doing? Congratulations, gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Well, th thank you for being on show. And and congrats on the the, the big checks. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, both yeah. of you got some on Rolando. I know you made some nice money over the last two weeks. Cody, you too, with the ten 
Um, and now this, both of you, are, are you, you know, quitting your day job, retiring, <laughs> focusing on fishing now? That's, I mean, that's some serious money you guys won over the last month. Yeah, if we could, if I could do it every month like that, I could. But you know, unfortunately, it's it's uh, it's not quite that consistent. <laughs> well, I won't ask how much because that's more personal. But I'm sure it's pretty good. Both checks were pretty good, both for you, Rolando and Cody. Congratulations mm -hmm. again. Thanks, Dan. Rolando, you. I, I, you're one of the guys I had in my uh, my pick'em and the on the fantasy showing. For some reason, I didn't put you on my team. I, I don't know if I was drinking or what. Big but, uh, mistake. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't yeah, work super out for big me. Mistake. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, but since neither one of y'all has been on before, Cody, we'll start with you. Uh, tell everybody how you got into kayak fishing and a little bit about yourself. Okay, uh, I've, I've probably kayak fished for six, seven years, maybe. I, I had a buddy of mine give me his kayak back when I was in Mississippi. And uh, I got hooked, man. It was just so easy to throw on top of the car, strap it through the, strap your straps through the window, and just roll out. Started ripping the rubber seals off the door because I'd strapped it <laughs> so many times, and then water would just pour in. But I mean, it was it was my mamaw's car that she gave me, so it is what it is. But yeah. after that, I actually uh, went on a mission for two years, and I told people about Jesus. I actually served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints in go. Utah. And told people about Jesus and helped them come unto Christ. And then afterwards, I went home for like five weeks. I kind of had a rougher life growing up. My dad passed when I was 13 in a car wreck. So kind of just dwindled. And fishing was just a big thing that saved me, man. Like it saved, no questions asked. Like it saved my life completely. And after my mission, I went visit my mom for like five weeks, six weeks. And then I flew back to Utah and stayed with my uncle. And I moved in with him. I started working as an electrician. And fast forward maybe like a year, I would say. I met my wife. We were pretty Yeah, we were married. And I was fishing out on a lake called Deer Creek Reservoir. I don't remember exactly who it was, but I met someone out on the water. And they said that they were practicing for a tournament. I'm like, what do you mean? What type, what do you mean tournament? Like a fishing tournament? She's like, yeah, we're fishing for bass. I'm like, there's bass in Utah. I'm out there throwing like crankbaits. I don't know what's out there. I've never been. And uh, I looked it up. She told me about the Facebook, Facebook group. Got online. I reached out to them like, what do I need to do? Like, I want to be a part of this. And it was already in the middle of the season. So I had missed the qualifying tournaments that I needed to actually go to like their national championship. But I fished that tournament, and I took – I think I took on big bass. So I took on, like, a $300 check, and to me, I was so pumped. Like, I just went out there, fished a tournament, and won some money. I was freaking out. And my wife will tell you that was over for me. That was it. Uh, <laughs> I started looking up every single tournament series. I uh, Next year, I, I signed up to be a member, and uh, I won Angler of the Year in Kayak Fishing Utah my first year. And then my second year, I won Kayak Fishing Utah Angler of the Year again. And we averaged 60 to 80 members yeah, and probably 60 people in a tournament. Well, then I started hearing about KBF. I started hearing about Hobie. I started hearing about all these different things. Like Yakabass was a big thing out West. And I'm um, like, we, we've got to go to them. But 15 hour, 12 to 15 hour drive is long, man. Like, mm -hmm. I just, it was just, it was hard for us. 
So we teamed together. I got my buddy Cayman Rasmussen. I know y'all probably heard of him from fishing KBBT yeah. and KFL and uh, Adam McCluskey. We all went together and we went out to our first Hobie event. And uh, obviously it didn't pan out like we wanted to. I was sitting in fourth on day one. And um, that's when my back messed up. And I ended up having to just float with the river back. You know how the that uh, ocean, whatever, you, what would you call that reservoir? Not even a reservoir, that canal system what would you call that oh, I, oh what 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 lake was it it's the california delta it's connected oh, to the actual delta. ocean man i don't know i don't know well whatever delta. like the tide would go in and then the tide would go out so i would just float whichever and i just didn't get the fish that i needed to but i knew from then on i'm hooked and uh went out to uh yak bass with uh james snyder put on a west coast championship for everyone out west and all the local clubs would team together and then they would see whoever qualified would bring them out West. And I ended up fishing my first ever KBF trail. I took a first, a fourth, I think like a ninth. And then I took second in the West coast championship out of like 120 anglers. And I'm like, this is crazy, dude. I brought home a pretty, pretty, pretty penny check. And my wife was like, you know what? Maybe you can do this. Like, I like this. And, uh, that's when I actually quit my job. I actually had hurt my back enough that I'd quit my job. I was an electrician. Uh, obviously, fishing didn't take off right then. I was really messed up. I laid up for about four and a half, five months, and I opened up a soft plastic company, and it's called Henley Custom Lures. Pretty typical. That's my last name. But uh, opened that up. It started taking off a little bit quicker than I thought it would. I think with me winning Angler of the Year, it kind of helped like the people. Like, oh, well, maybe he knows what he's doing, which I didn't. I had no clue, man. I just – Got super lucky and super blessed. And uh, that's really how it really started for me, man. This is after I talked to Chad about all I have to do is fish three events out west. I went out there and I got had a first, like the like first, fourth, and ninth. And then I went down to the national championship. And when he called my name to be in the 10, I was shook, 100% shook. I didn't think I did good enough. Um, but I forgot it was day one and day two and choked on day three. Uh, for some reason, I launched at a different ramp and that didn't. Uh, it didn't pan out at all. So, yeah, and then this year I have over 25 national trails lined up. So it's going to wow. be it's going to be an epic year. Hopefully, hopefully it's not one of those you get a crazy start and then bam, get dropped on your face. So we'll are, see. Are, are you fishing this weekend on Folsom? No, I was. I prom. I I promised my wife I wouldn't. I was, but I'd been gone. I've I just got home yeah, this morning oh yeah. at like 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. And I've been gone since the 22nd of January. So, yeah, so I'm just going to skip it. I think my next one's uh, Arizona, KBF, and then Colorado. And then we go to Broken Bow for Hobie. Cool. All right, Rolando, how, how about you, man? Yeah, man, I, uh, I've been kayak fishing, I think, since 2017. But I've been fish I've been bass fishing since I was a kid. I, uh, I lived most of my life here in San Antonio. And I had a lot of family in Del Rio, Texas, so I used to actually bass and go down there and, and I fish. I spent Amistad. a lot of time down there. <laughs> yeah, I used to yeah. fit bass fish Amistad and, and the park that's right there in Del Rio. <clears throat> and uh, I actually got a kayak uh, pending that I wanted to get a boat. But then I met some friends doing that, and they told me about the kayak tournaments. So I said, you know what, let me give it a shot. So I started jumping into the local stuff that I found here in San Antonio. And um, actually, it wasn't that good for me. I, I, when I, I thought I could do well, 
But when I jumped in these tournaments, man, I realized I was going up against some pretty pretty good hammers here and uh, mm-hmm. quickly realized that I had to sharpen up my skills because I just, you know, I felt like these guys had pet fish at the lakes they went to because they were just <laughs> catching you know, 95 plus bags. And I'm like, I'm over here struggling, trying to get 75, 80 inches. And I'm like, geez, how are they doing this every, almost every event? Uh, and so it took me about two years to really kind of sharpen things up. And then I started getting a little bit, you know, in contention. And I did a lot of the cats events here in San Antonio. Um, and yeah, and I, I started off with a basic uh, Academy kayak, you know, just, something very inexpensive. And then I upgraded to a pedal system, which was the, uh, at the time it was, uh, a Pescador pilot. Yeah, and, oh, uh, and I had the same kayak. Yeah. <laughs> that was the same one I started with. The OG. The OG. Yeah. And I, I, I thought that was great. Right. And, uh, and until you got in a Hobie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I even remember saying that like when I saw Hobie and I saw the prices of those things, I was like, man, I don't need to spend that much money to, be able to man once i tried it i was i was like yeah there, there's no way like i i need a i need a better platform than, than the pilot because i realized that didn't have the storage to can carry the rods and people freak out how many rods i carry now because i carry a lot of rods with me and <clears throat> it's quite a, it's usually more than anybody i ever fish with so well how many i carry 16 holy sh- god dog <laughs> That I is. Thought a, I, I thought you were going oil. to say like thirteen. No, I carry 16. sixteen. Yeah, I do down. I do downsize on some of it depending on the you know the the fishery. But if if things are not, I got to be dialed in, man. And I'll carry ten to thirteen, maybe. But like this past weekend, I actually did not carry sixteen. Um, I carried a little bit less than that. But a lot of the times, that Hobie, you know, I, I fish out of a Pro Angler fourteen three sixty, and my crate carries ten. So I'll carry backup rods that I feel like I might just in case I run into something that I need to use. I'll carry, th- you know, how the Hobie carries mm-hmm. three on each side. That's where I carry my other six is right there on the side, but the 10 in the back. But honestly, I usually only touch like four of them, but there is times that, uh, you know, if something comes up, I'm like, I got it. I'm good. You know, <laughs> it's tied on, but, um, yeah, 2017 kayak fish did ACK uh i i actually started doing the uh tkc which is tournament kayak championship last year and i won angler of the year in that one and uh, i won a couple other tournaments locally and i think uh i've never done any of the kbf ones and uh i really don't like doing online tournaments i usually like doing the in-person ones um just kbf hasn't come close enough for me to do anything so i've always stuck kind of local and uh now that i get a little bit more time to myself to be able to travel i'm gonna start doing more of these tournaments going you know doing the hobie i'll do the one in oklahoma the broken bow and uh this is the first hobie one that i've actually ever done but most of most of the stuff i fished has been locally uh, we do have some pretty you know good anglers here where i fish in san yeah. in in the austin area so those guys going up against them, I feel have kind of prepared me to kind of face off some of these guys that are on the national level. Because man, a lot of these Texas guys that I fish, they're that's all they, you know, think about is fishing, man. So when I got oh, into yeah. it, I was like, man, you guys 
on another level, man. And it, and it's basically gotten me there too, man. That's all I talk about nowadays. I, I, I work and, and even when I'm working, I'm thinking about what the hell I want to do next, the weekend coming up. <laughs> Eat, breathe it. And you know, yeah. about all the time Talk to other people. Yeah. yeah. And before we go into the questions, kind of wanted to give you a shout out, Orlando, because you've been on my podcast before when you won um, the TKC at Belton. And we talked a little bit about your talent, like you're well known in Texas, but you never really stepped into that national stage. Right. I was always curious, you know, once Orlando steps into the national stage and we talked about in the podcast, everybody better watch out. And <laughs> I mean, when we looked at what you did in Lake Fork and then Toledo Bend on extreme conditions, like we in Texas are not used to fishing with ice. And we, nobody fishes on 30 mile per hour winds. And people might point out and say, well, you know, he still is fishing in Texas, even though it's national events, Bass Nation, or Bassmaster now kayak series. And Hobie, it is still lakes that we as Texans are not accustomed to fishing under those conditions. And for you now, stepping on the national stage, like nobody in Texas is surprised to see your name up there. But I know mm -hmm. a lot of people that follow more the national trail are like, okay, who's this guy, Rolando Landino's like, well, we know about this guy because we've seen him in Texas. So big congratulations to you. You're coming out partying the national mm -hmm. um, trail is no surprise to any of us in Texas. Uh, we know how, what a great fisherman you are. And I love what you said about, because that's where I'm at when we're like you two years ago, when I see guys like Diego Monsal and Matthew Scotch putting up godly numbers every week, and I'm like, how the heck do I reach that level? And listening to you going through that process mm -hmm. um, is, a bit, I think, not just for me, but anybody that's listening that is in that stage where you get intimidated by what other people do day in and day out, tournament in, tournament day out. But for you to just come from that point of view to now hitting the national stage the way you are, that's a big inspiration, I think, to anybody. Yeah, man, I think that's always good to, uh, uh, you know, to understand that, there, you know, people, some people are gifted, man, and they just, right, flat out just smash them, just going out anywhere. Uh, but I think it's, uh, you, you, if you work at it and you pay attention, and, and there's a lot of, like, for me, um, I, I already had a background of fishing since I was a kid, I just I need I just needed to put the pieces together to target. Um, it really is understanding the species. That before I used to fish, I just I just knew that I needed to tie a line, tie an artificial lure, and go out there and just hit the banks. Right. Um, when I started competing, I started realizing like I can't I can't do that and consistently be at the top. You know, trying to do that. So I needed to sharpen up my skills. And understanding what the species actually does in what under what conditions, what season, things like that. So I really started studying up on, you know, I even watch YouTube videos like what bass were doing. And I saw I, I even try to find like people that are researching, like try to read the Berkeley stuff, because Berkeley's big on on scent stuff, and they always put out information on you know, studying the bass and doing all this stuff. And I just I'm like geek, man, just re soaking in all that information. And just trying to put the pieces together whenever I'm presented with whatever scenario I am, and uh, and I think that if anybody just puts the time in, they can reach a level that you know some of these people that have that are gifted that just naturally just you know have an eye for it, right? Because yep. you also can 
can have that where you go on a lake and you're just like, I know there's a bass sitting right there, you know? <laughs> and Ke- Cody, what, what kind of kayak are you in? I'm saying uh, pro angler to a 14 foot 360 green. Oh, it ain't blue. All three of y'all. <laughs> the 360, man. Yeah, you know, we're taking God, it's over. A, it's a it's a love and hate relationship with that 360, but man, I, I really when it's working hundred percent, it's it's awesome. Uh, do, you, do you do a lot of maintenance on it? I found I've never had a problem with mine, but I do constant maintenance on it, which I no, do. Uh, no. I don't that, and that's the thing. I think a lot of people like I with the clutch and everything not just with the drive but where the drive goes there's a bunch of bolts and not bunch, mm-hmm. but two or three bolts that you need to tie cons you know re adjust readjust consistently mm-hmm. and that really avoids the the belt problems that you've had i think um, yeah so i think that's the biggest thing is a lot of people don't do maintenance on it and so many moving parts if you want it to work you have to constantly give it maintenance. Yeah. It's not just throw it in the garage and think it's going to work perfectly every time. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com yeah, no, I'm at fault. I, I 100% agree. I, I, I'm, I'm bad at keeping maintenance on it. I, I like running things until they're like, oh, something's going on wrong. I got to fix it now. <laughs> oh, it broke. Now it's yeah. time to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I throw my old town in the garage. It doesn't have any problems. But you know. yeah, uh, uh, but both but, but hater, hater. I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not hating. I'm not. My shop has both. I could have either one. I just you know, Cody, have you I'm, had issues with your 360? Um, here and there, not, yeah. not a ton. My first one, uh, now this could be wrong, but they were using the wrong, it seemed like they were using the wrong blade to, to sand that 360 belt down. And I would twist my 360 and it would lock up and, and it would slip and it would slip about an inch and a half and it would make a loud popping noise. And I freaked out. I didn't know what it was. And, uh, I ended up getting a little small crack. In mine, so they warrantied out me a new hole, so that fixed my 360 belt. But my drive on my kickup fins, hey babe, will you bring me that piece for my kayak that's gray? My drive on my 360, you know how your kickup fins yep. kick up, 
mine won't stay locked in now. Uh, I don't know if it's for me running that motor so much or what's going on, but these pieces, this is what they'll replace. So they just sent me these. They warranted these out inside. I'm not saying it's a stupid design, but it's plastic in there. So it's got a plastic lip and that metal piece will slide back in there and lock in. Right. So I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if that messed up or if the metal is actually wearing. So when I change these out before Arizona, I'm going to find out. If, but other than that, no, like I give mine, I give her heck, dude. I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like when I want to go, I'm going. Like I'm so used to going 5.4, 5.3 miles an hour with that Newport vessel. Like, and then you go 1.3 when you're pedaling, you know? So I, I'm doing as much as I can trying to keep up with the style of fishing that I'm doing. And I'm running it into everything full blast, you know? And that's meant my fault. But I do try to maintenance my drive. I do try to tighten those bolts. Like Armando was saying, like, I do try to do all those things. Mm-hmm. I'll twist my drive up and spin it around. I'll grease everything that I can. Yeah. Wherever I see grease or lube, I'm putting more stuff on it. You know, I feel like with the 360, there's so many more components moving. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you got to so do that. There's so many more things. You know, when you talk about that and your autopilot, like, what what are you maintenancing? You know, I mean, if you have auto lock, yeah, there's there's maintenance but there's nothing like the particles that we have moving around, yeah. which more things, more things are going to break. Yep. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm not sponsored by Old Town. I'm not talking <laughs> you, bad about you it. Feel no, no, then? I, you feel I, left I'm out I'm not then? trying to put that on you either. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love my cat. I'm about to sell my Predator and get a big water just, you know, to go to the newest one. So I, I just, no, I'm, I'm just ganging up on you. <laughs> that's that's all right. what you have. You have the autopilot spot lock? No, I have a big uh, predator. Big water. Predator. Oh, okay. I yeah, we, we, we don't, they don't allow motors here in Alabama. So, oh, yeah, really? No motor. Mm-mm. No, we're, mm. we're just, I get my fat I, ass out there and pedal my I, I pedal did, away. I, I, I was like, nah, I don't need a, I don't need a motor. And, uh, man, when I first decided to get one and I tried it, it is so hard to go without it now. Oh, it is so insane. hard. Uh, apparently not, because you just want Toledo, so it's not that hard. <laughs> no, I know, but you know, it's like it's like when you think about going to a spot, you know, yeah. you you think about it two three times now because you're like, man, that's about one and a half two miles that way. I, before when you have the motor, you're like, yeah, I'll just motor over there, you know, and that and like and, fifteen and I, minutes. Yeah, and and at, at Toledo, when I took off from the ramp, I'm like, I'm looking at that shoreline way on the opposite side i'm like dude that is so far like i don't know if i want to pedal there <laughs> yeah i think next year more and more clubs here because i've only fished local clubs and then hobie that uh that more and more clubs are starting to allow mowers and i could practice with a you know yeah with a motor and a hobie so i i think probably next year i'll finally move over to the dark side <laughs> but all right so here we'll uh we'll go ahead and start talking about the tournament i'll go over the numbers first uh day one robert smith was in first with 91 and three quarter then rolando you with 90 inches garrett wade in 30 with 90 and cody you were in fifth with 89 and a half i think you were tied with fourth so i mean you were right there too um day two uh michael mira and we couldn't find him on social media because we usually have First, second, and third on. So, Michael, if you're watching, sorry, bud. We, you are hard to get in touch with. You are like blackout on the social media. <laughs> are you not bragging about your fish, Michael? 
He's very humble. And uh, sec- second place, Ewing Minor, 90 inches. Third, Rolando, you were had 88 and a half. And then Cody in fourth with 88 and a quarter. And then overall, first place, Rolando, you won it with 178 and a half. And Cody, you were uh, three quarters of an inch behind with 177, three quarter. And I'll, I'll tell you what. So I've been close. doing this three yeah. years now. I've never seen two people who on the show first and second who were so consistent both days in the top five. This is the first show in three years where both first and second place were that were in the top five on first and day one and two. So that's yeah. I, 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 I don't know what that means, but I think it's an accomplishment. <laughs> well, we're, we're, well, the fact that we both had uh, Pescador pilots, I think we're on the same page with a lot of things. There you, go. Right, <laughs> man. There you go. I like it. All right. So we'll start off with practice. Cody, t- tell us about your practice, man. Okay. Practice uh, didn't go great for me. Not going to lie. I am a shallow fishery. I'm a power fisherman out of this world. I want to throw a frog all day, every day. I don't oh, want to put man. it down. And I threw it during practice. And I caught some fish on it. Um, I, first thing I thought of, like, I want to go up the river and I want to get back in the sloughs as far as I possibly can. Well, my buddy with me came in. Uh, we, so we both went there and we both picked apart two different areas and we both got really good bites. Like Tuesday was the only day that I hooked fish. I tried. It depends on what day it is or when I get down there. But that day I put up 97 inches. So for me, I thought, okay, look, that's huge. And I literally just covered like maybe a mile of trees. But I knew like if they're here, they're going to be back further because the back pockets are going to be even warmer water. So I know everything's going to be perfectly fine. I'm set. So I started expanding down river a little bit. Uh, Each day I would get Wednesday, I got 10 more bites off 10 different trees. It was so weird, man. I would have to pick apart every single tree. And I was flipping at the time. I was uh, obviously on my own plastic company. I, I was flipping a seven-inch ringworm. It's like a it's like a rattlesnake that some company makes. It's kind of similar to that rattlesnake. And I was flipping on a half ounce. And I wasn't getting as many bites Wednesday as I did Tuesday. So I fit, flipped down to a three-eighths or sized down to a three-eighths and started picking, just getting bites. So every time it'd fall down, they would take it and just run. So it kind of made me curious if like, cause I was pulling it out of their mouth and the hook was buried like, Oh, are they going to relocate on a different tree? What are they doing? Like, are they going to go back to that tree? Like same thing with Orlando. You say like understanding the species is the most mm-hmm. important thing we can do because just like we, if we're cold, what are we going to do? Let's put a jacket on. Like, let's get in the shade. Let's get in the sun. What do we need? So I think that's so important with understanding the fish so each day I would go back and I would go back to, I had over 35 trees marked. I went to every mm-hmm. single tree almost each day, which is, is something weird that I do. And I probably shouldn't do it because it messes with my head. And uh, the bites just started slowing down like big time for me. It went from 20 bites to 10 to five to three. And I was going back to the same areas, just not hooking these fish. I'm like, wonder if they're getting used to these lures. Wonder yeah. if they know, like they know something, they know something's up. So I started to freak out and I started to panic. And uh, so I went to the main lake. I went out there, just didn't like it, man. I'm not an offshore fishery. I have panoptics. Uh, Rolando is way better than me at panoptics. I just got it this year. I'm running a Garmin, probably the same 93 SV that he's running. 
or I don't know if that's what you're running, but it's a 106, but it's the same. Okay. Thing. Yeah. So, Jeez. and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I've caught quite a few panoptics fish and it is, it is killer, but I get so glued in on that TV that I'm just sitting there trying to freaking pick these fish yeah. apart. And it just doesn't work out for me like that. Like I just can't do it. I'd much rather just go around beating the bank or, yeah. or finding those structure points off somewhere in that shallow water. So turn and that, no, wait, let's go back. So I was on the main lake. So I went back up river, tried to just expand and really just didn't find anything great. I did find a few more trees. So I think I had over 40 trees marked and uh, that kind of wrapped up my practice, man. I'll be honest. I was coming off the the win at the 10. I took second in the pro series. I took second in the Invitational, and I won a trail. So I don't want to say I was super relaxed you know, but I was, I was just, I was happy and content. Like I was going to, I was just super happy with what had happened and where I'd, I'd came so far. So going into the tournament, I was like, Hey, it is what it is, but I know where I'm going to have my luck and I'm going shallow. Okay. Rolando. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I had, uh, I showed up uh Wednesday night. Uh, you know, those are forecasts for pretty bad weather. So we ended up leaving. Oh, actually, no, I'm thinking about Ford. That was Ford. The follow the I left and got here Thursday. I left Thursday at two a.m. in the morning, around three o'clock. Actually, I woke up at two a.m. two a.m. drove off at three thirty. I couldn't find my wallet this mor- that morning, so I had mm. to leave. I had to leave without my wallet. Uh, I took my wife's credit card, and so we just <laughs> did that. And uh, I got up there around nine. I don't know. I probably got on the water about nine thirty on Thursday. And I had done a lot of map studying before that. So I already had pre-selected two areas that I wanted to go see. And uh, first Thursday, I showed up on the, <clears throat> on the south end of the lake. I fished there. I lost a freaking giant, dude. I, I hooked into, I, I don't know if it was a bass, but I, I was fishing a brush pile and I wanted to see if there was fish in it. And I threw a jerk bait there and I saw this thing, big old blob just come out and grab it. And I set the hook on that thing. And it, I could not turn the thing around. It went straight back into the brush pile, buried me and the damn hook in there. And I spent about 15 minutes trying to get it out and I, I couldn't. And it ended up, it ended up coming off eventually and my lure was stuck and I ended up busting it, busting off my uh, jerk bait. <clears throat> and I just continued fishing in that area and I marked a bunch of stuff down there. And uh, I caught fish Thursday. I don't like cooking fish the, the day prior to the tournament, Friday. I don't mind it on Thursday, but I usually only get two days of practice for these events. So I finished out my day down south and marked a bunch of stuff. And I was like, I can come here, get a limit. It's a decent limit. I don't know if it was strong. I, at the time, the conditions, I was like, man, I don't know what people are going to pull up put up as far as bags but it's toledo bend and it's got giant fish so i'm like dude i'm gonna need 90 something inches every day to even have a shot at it so then i said let me go mid lake day two i showed up mid lake both both times on the texas side and um said let me go and find offshore stuff uh first thing i marked a bunch of stuff and everything i'm looking at are transition points for fish coming in to get ready for what they're doing, which is a spawn. And so I knew, obviously, it's not they're not spawning yet, but 
I was looking along those lines, just following those those uh, highways that they use, so to speak, to, to get there. And so I started scanning all of that with my side scan. And my number one tool was the side scan. I marked a bunch of laydowns and that had a ton of fish on Friday. I tried not to hook into too many of those because it was the day before the tournament. And I already had looked at the weather. So I knew that my day two spot was going to be my day one for the tournament because I couldn't fish down south because of the wind. <clears throat> so, but it actually planned out because once I looked at the conditions for day two, I'm like, it's perfect. My day two spot is a bunch of docks. It's in the main lake and it's going to be bluebird skies. I need shade and I need deep water. So I said that that spot's going to be perfect. Actually, it's going to work out for me for day two. My buddies who I was staying with, they're like, man, you're not going to go back to your day one spot. Like, dude, you did well in that spot, you know? And I'm like, dude, it's not going to, I just don't gut feeling. It's not going to produce for me like it is, like it did because it was windy and, and cloudy. And normally in those conditions, I beat the bank. I just kind of run the bank and try to find bigger fish, you know, that are kind of roaming around. And uh, <clears throat> so day one, I showed up at that, at that spot, at that ramp, and I had about an hour uh, to figure things out. And uh, but I already had everything marked, and uh, I'm already getting into my tournament day. And we're talking about practice. No, so. you're 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 good. Go ahead, man. So my practice, um, I did do decent. I don't know, probably in high 80s, low 90s, um, hooking in the fish on Thursday, and then Sunday I didn't hook many fish, so I really didn't have anything that I could say that I could say that I, that I did really well. I was just marking stuff more than anything else on my day two spot and um, <clears throat> decided to start over there where it was a little bit uh, less, uh, you know, protected. And I ended up going into that and finding some, some good areas that I marked offshore. And, and there was only two docks that were worth, worth the crap over there. And I actually got fish off of those two. So that, that was good. Um, and yeah, so my practice was decent. And it, but it wasn't anything that I felt that I could say that I was going to win the tournament. I just yeah. knew that, that I could find fish and in the process I needed to get the limit and then, and then start searching for bigger fish. Okay. So Cody, you're going into your first day. Uh, the fish are getting smarter. You've been throwing in that ringworm around. So what, what happened, man? Okay, so just day one, or what, what are we doing here? Going yeah, day yeah it, it, okay. you can talk about both, yeah. Okay, uh, day one, I go to, I start literally like, uh, my plan was to start like 10, 10 yards away from the boat ramp. And uh, I pull up and there's 15, 20 kayaks. move. Pentagraph yeah. move, yeah. That's, yeah. Th that's it. I mean, I, even uh, Jackson Orr, I mean, he pulled out the boat ramp, went right, and caught an eight-pounder. You know, like he, he's like, called an eight this morning. I don't think he had too much luck later, like throughout the day. I think he actually fished the main lake. But I mean, he pulls out and catches an eight like immediately. I'm like, goodness. So I started to think like, oh, there's some big fish here. And uh, even when I pulled up, and I saw those people. I don't like crowds, man. It gets in my head. It gets in my head so bad. And uh, but the thing is, you fish different. I don't care who is there with you. You fish so different than them. And uh so I'm like, I'm going to hit all my trees and then I'm going to go back in some protected coves because I know the wind's coming up. So I went to each one of my trees. Wind was ripping pretty good, man. And yeah. I don't know if I didn't spend enough time on them or what happened, 
But I spent almost three hours, two and a half, three hours out there. Didn't catch a single fish. Didn't catch a bite. Mm. Didn't catch anything. But I rolled around to my first part, and there was three boats. What it was was there was channels going in and out, and then there was a channel in the middle. And in that circle, there was a dip. It went from literally there was a five-foot channel here and a five-foot channel here. But then the, when, when, when this five-foot channel crossed this other five-foot, made like a cross, it dropped down to 10 feet. Fish Oh, Lord, the Jesus pot. There's a yeah. cross. Yeah, so and it literally fish were stacked. There was trees, there was tree piles. I pulled out the panoptics and looked in there. So many fish were down there. It was unreal. Whether it was a rattle trap, like it was deep enough for all that. Really, what I was doing was throwing that ringworm or a Texas rig, one of my little creature baits, and uh, a lizard, a brush hog, anything like that. Well, I pulled up and there was three boats there. So I'm like, oh, cool, great, keep it up, guys. Just yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I'm. I'm like, yeah, you probably have about 12 fish in your live well right now between the three of you. All 12 that I need. Went to my next spot, roll around the corner, another boat sitting on the dock that I was going to go to. I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm panicking like I just started. Just got in my head. and I just I just said, hey, calm down. You got this. I went to all of the trees, and they didn't produce for me. I looked at the time, and it was 1030. I'm like, okay, we've been three hours in. If I catch one fish every three hours, it ain't going to cut it. But I, if I find them, I know, I know that I can get a quick limit and just start calling. So I went back in this pocket and uh, I done good there on two days prior. These were just bites flipping. Well, I went in there and every single boat in the lake was not really, but there was at least six boats in this area. that's only like half a mile long and then like 200 yards wide, not even a hundred yards wide, actually. And there was about seven or 10 kayaks in there. I'm like, oh, wow. But I, I literally wrote, drove past every one of them. Drove. I pedaled past every one of them. I didn't motor. Um, and every single one of them were picking apart trees. So I started to just think, like, okay, they're picking apart trees. I'm about to throw something, reaction, and do everything that I can. And at the 10 and at the trail event and all those events that I did decent, I, uh, I called everything on a golden shiner jackhammer. The water was a little bit too dirty for that. I mean, yeah, a little too dirty for a golden shiner. Probably still would have worked. But I, I threw on a white with a white ringworm. And uh, within like five casts, pulled out a 17. Pulled out 14, 14, 14. Got a limit. And I didn't see a lot of people catching fish. So it started, I didn't know if it was in my head, if I was messing like, I need to save these fish for whatever I need to do. I'm coming back here. Cause I then went down all the way and came back and went back. And at the time I'd pulled out, uh, I think a 19, seven, five, 19, 50, 18, 18, 18, seven, five, and another 17 or maybe a, a 16. So I had a decent bag. Damn. So two o'clock rolls around and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I got to get out of here. Most of everyone had left. There were three kayaks left. Three of them, two of them didn't have a limit, and uh, one of them did. So I'm like, what? And in between that, I'd caught over 25 to 30 fish going back and forth, back and forth. So I'm like, well, okay, they don't want – the sun isn't up. It isn't calm. You know, I, they're not just sitting, hiding, and holding to cover. You know, so I just kept going back and forth with that chatterbait. And it might have ruined me, but I left at 2 o'clock, and uh, – I went and found just left those fish alone because I knew I'd be back the next day. And uh, I didn't, I don't think I caught another fish the rest of the day, to be honest with you. 
Well, I mean, it's it's so hard to know. You were only a half an inch behind Rolando. And see, that's what I thought, too. Like, I'm literally so close. Like, it's anyone's game. You know, we can put up 100 inches tomorrow. So, that was – that's my day one. All right, Rolando, how about you, man? Cody, yeah, before the, Cody Rolando, oh. sorry, sorry yeah. about that. What area did you fish on day one, Cody? Was it no, uh, Lake North, South, Texas? Uh, side, you know where the side? rollers are? No. Have you heard of the rollers? Okay, it's up north. It's this concrete thing that you have to, like, roll your kayak over. I did not go over that. That's oh, I know what bounds. you're talking about. Yep. But here's the rollers. There's one more thing over to the left called the bottleneck. What it does is it gets super narrow, and then it just opens up. And back up in there was all clear water in the very, very back, which I don't like clear water at all. That's just not what I like to fish. I wasn't about throwing a Berkeley gilly in the back back there. I was. <laughs> I want some dirty water. I want a reaction bite. Do everything I can to trick these fish. And uh, them yeah, things I are too expensive. Anyways, yeah, so, the chatter rates. The gilly. Oh no. my gosh. Some so things are like right. five bucks a piece for like two of them. I know it's well, I'm it's like JDM. I'm not Jank Berkeley makes great stuff, but Ike, your Gilly, whoever makes the Gilly, is that, is whoever, it, yeah, is that what you use as a as a trailer? No, my my tra- the Gilly is just like when I get in like super clear water. I actually heard about it from Scotch. I, I can't give any credit to myself, Matthew Scotch. Yeah, we were staying at the tent house and that's what he was slaying all his fish on all week so huge shout out to him and uh he showed me how to rig i could never figure out how to rig those things yeah <laughs> so he showed me how to rig it i better not reveal his secret but i rigged it like that and if i'd get in that clear water i would throw that gilly man and that thing looks so real it's unbelievable that's why i won i cast like it's unbelievable yeah i don't make no plastic like that like i'll give it my plastics are cool and they're tough but <laughs> they're nothing like that <laughs> Yeah. no that's good man yeah I, I, old scotch uh I, I talked to him he's a friend of mine too and he's uh he's a hammer man he is he's he's always stick, up there dude. yeah he's a stick <clears throat> so but uh, so day one yeah so day one i i show up on mid lake texas side um there's about seven or eight kayaks uh getting ready to launch and uh boats in and out all day long i'm 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 near a bridge so the pylon was a lifesaver for me at Lake Fork. And so I kind of wanted, I kind of wanted to check out the bridges and see what was out there. Well, the specific area I was in did have a bridge and it, it, it did have good rock and good, good uh, fish that it was holding there, but everybody was fishing that. So I was like, man, you know, worst case, maybe I'll go in there and pick off a few if I'm, if I'm having trouble. But, um, this area was a pocket that was facing south. It's cocked over facing the south. So when the wind is coming down from the north, it's not really pushing any like crazy dirty water in, but it's still causing enough ruckus where like you can't fish that open area. You kind of have to pull back away from it. So in the morning, we all take off and I see people, obviously they're going straight to the bridge and then they're going to go into this back pocket. So being that it was cloudy and kind of windy already, I had about an hour before it got really crazy. And normally I don't like to go fish offshore when it's cloudy because usually I can find them pretty good on the bank. But I, I, I had a gut feeling 
that a lot of people were practicing in this area and they were just sore lipping a lot of fish. And I was just like, man, I don't think it's going to produce that well off the bank right off the bat, but I know there's, there's enough fish here to get a decent limit. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So I had marked a bunch of stuff to the left, which was towards the open lake area. And I used my live scope and uh, my side scan to mark all that stuff and get it going. And so when I took off that morning, everybody went right. And I went, I went all by myself to the left, to the open area where the wind was going to be pretty much howling, you know. Uh, but when I got there, it wasn't too bad yet. So about an hour, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes into my first spot, I freaking catch it like a 16 or a 17. Then I catch another one. Then I couldn't catch off of that one, so I moved on to the next brush, next lay down, and I just bounced around on all the lay downs, and the wind started picking up pretty much, but I was catching fish, so I was like, man, I don't want to leave. I, I'm going to kind of muscle through this and kind of see if I see how long I can go before I can, you know, can't withstand it anymore because it got pretty hairy out there. Yeah. Damn. And then uh, I've seen some videos. It, it was it was bad. Yeah, it was bad, and then uh, I saw a bunch of people coming out of that back pocket coming through the bridge and i was like you know what they're not doing so hot because if they wouldn't be wanting to come out here (laughs) if yeah they're if you know do that so i i was like okay well i ran through all my stuff that i marked and i couldn't catch anything anymore and uh so i said well let me go see what's left for me in this back pocket and there was boats in and out of that pocket so and it bottlenecks it's a tight it's a tight spot we're not talking about a bridge that's wide open it bottlenecks and then it opens up again to the back so i went through there and i kind of just saw people fishing on both ends there was a boat fishing both ends and i said i got one brush pile not not i'm sorry not yeah i have one brush pile that was right in the middle of the cove right through where the creek went to the left of it and i didn't catch anything off of it right away and there was a boat sitting there nearby so i figured they had fished it already um and i was kind of waiting for them to kind of adjust so that i can you know position myself correctly to see if i can make some cast in there and they were like yeah you're fine man you're good and in the process when i was doing that i didn't realize that there was a tree um a little ways from it that like basically right underneath me and, and i had seen it with a live scope when i was there that morning i hadn't seen it in practice and it was full of crappie. And, uh, but on the right at the top of it, there was a big old blob. And I was like, dude, that's got to be a big old bass. Hopefully it is. Man, I threw in there. And unfortunately, the first cast that I threw in there 
freaking crappie came out and jacked my, jacked my, uh, got my, my, uh, jerk bait. So I'm like, dang. And I was like, man, they're, maybe they're a bunch of crappie. Maybe that's a catfish just hanging around or something. I threw back in there. I jerked it two times, dude. And then hit again. And when I went to go set that hook, man, it just took off, man. And it was like, I was like, man, this is a big fish. And on day one, I think I had like a 21 or I can't remember what size it was. I think it was a 20 or 21. 20, 21 and a quarter. Because I was 21 looking at, at if, the, <laughs> yeah. case tied, in case we tied, in case we tied, you still have me by big fish. All I have was a 21. Yeah, 21 and a quarter. And, uh, man, I hooked that sucker right in front of that boat that was fishing, like, nearby. And uh, that kind of just kind of made me feel a little more comfortable because I, I had a decent kicker at that point and put me a little bit above there. And, and then I ran further back into the back coves, and I didn't see nobody catching any fish, but everybody was towards the banks. So I, everything I had marked was like the channel bend, you know, the channel creeks where they yeah. bend. And I had people drop, you know, a lot of people drop a lot of stuff out there, and I was picking it up on my side scan, and I was just, you know, practice marking it. So I pulled up and was, I pull up, I turn on my live scope, I shoot it, and be like, yeah, there's, looks like there's fish but the problem was is that they were actually glued to the bottom both days for me like they you wouldn't see a lot of activity on the live scope and um so i i was just kind of you know getting stuff in there to get them to pull up to see if i could see anything come off off the ground and i was man i was actually catching quite a bit of fish doing that and just jerking how them deep out of were you? sorry that that I'm area is about 10 feet 10 feet deep. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is the perspective mm -hmm. mode or? I don't use perspective mode. Okay. Yeah. But I don't have to buy that then. Yeah, I don't use perspective mode. I use only the forward mode. mode, And then, uh, and I only turn it on once I've like found something, I've marked it and, I, and I'm isolated. Like it does, you know, good to try to go searching with that. It's a, it's a 20 degree cone, right? It's not very big. Okay. So it, you, you know, you, you still have to do work. You still have to find them yep. traditionally, I like to say, with your traditional tools, right? Your down view and your side scan. But if you're good with your side scan, you're going to find fish, man, in any conditions. You know, you're going to be able to see, you know, if they're not working, if it's not working out for you on the bank, run your side scan and find whatever you can see out there and just pay attention. You know, most of the time, a lot of people that I know that have like live scope, they they've had it sometimes for a while and they just they don't really use it they use it differently than i do and uh and i feel like they don't utilize the tool as effectively as you can but it takes time man because you see everything you see drum you see catfish you see you know spotted i mean uh crappie and sometimes it's hard to tell what species you're looking at unless you catch a really perfect profile sideways of them and they're really close, then you can see like, oh, that's not a bass, you know, that's a catfish. So that tool is pretty useful, man. And it really played a big role for me to capture those fish out offshore. And I love, I'm comfortable fishing offshore. I grew up fishing the bank and, and beating the bank, but ever since LifeScope came out, that changed my style because I could definitely focus on trying to find bigger fish. And ever since that did come out, I, that's what I usually do. I try to focus on bigger fish and and now that i do tournaments you know i think that the side scan is still my number one tool and then number two is live scope gotcha. um but 
you know, that's just basically my number one day. My, my first day of practice was out of that mid mid lake. And it was pretty much everything came off of either the middle of the Creek channel or lay downs. I didn't catch very many fish off the bank because I didn't really give it a chance. I, there was a lot of people in there in and out and I did catch some off the spinnerbait, uh, throwing it into the docks that that were there. There was very few docks. There was maybe a handful of docks and only like two or three of them were worth the crap. So I threw a spinnerbait in there and, and I did catch some, but no, nothing, nothing worthy, Good. you know? Yeah. All right, Cody, how, how about your day too, man? You're only what two inches behind. Yeah, I was close. I think I, yeah. I, and I think that's why I left those fish. I'm regretting it now. I mean, and it might not even change anything, you know. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I'm super satisfied with how everything panned out. I mean, Rolando deserves it. Homie's homie's a stick. But day two for <laughs> me was uh, a little bit different. I, I knew that the bite wasn't going to pick up uh, until later. I just knew that the bite's going to turn on for me a little bit later where I was fishing. So I'm like, okay, those trees that I didn't catch fish from, I roll up to my first spot. No one's here. There's not a single kayaker around. Like there was only three or four people that launched and half of them didn't even launch on time. So I'm like, what are we doing? Like, and then I get in the water back up a little bit. I, I throw my drive and Garrett Wade's taking off to his spot He's like, it's 7.30. I'm like trying to throw my kayak out and get in the water. I get in the water, and everything's frozen. solid. my drive won't spin. Nothing works. Like I can't even put it down in because it wasn't straight. I guess I put, should have put, put it in the truck the night before, but it was frozen solid. So I'm like mm. holding it down in the water. I'm soaking wet at this point, trying to get my drive unfroze. Garrett's already been, he's probably a mile up the river. And I'm like, what if he's going to my spot? I don't know. <laughs> we, we better go figure it out, though, because – I finally get my drive to work, and my wheels, I actually had knocked on some – I broke my boondocks wheels the day before. I actually had knocked on some guy's door. Like, hey, dude, you got a welding truck outside. Can I pay you to weld, weld my wheels back on? And uh, he actually welded my wheels back on. Oh, That's nice, awesome. man. Super That's hard awesome. to weld. It's super awesome, dude. Pretty sure Texas his name was uh, – Yeah, that's right, dude. That's at so, Texas at Southern Hospitality, man. I miss that for <laughs> sure, growing up in Mississippi. So uh, I grabbed my wheels and just chunked them on the bank. I didn't even take anything back up. One of them almost sunk a foot in the water. I think I splashed this girl named – I think her name was Wesley. I'm like, I'm so sorry. So I throw everything on the bank, take off, and uh, I start hitting those trees. And by the time I get to my first tree, it's already lines in. Uh, I start beating the trees apart. But then I'm start, I, all I could think about was how many people went back there. I see three, two, other, two or three other kayakers go back there. And uh, that's literally all I could think about in my head was what if they roll through there first and they get that kicker, they get that 20, they get that 19. Because I didn't get no big fish back there. And I I had, from what I had found, there wasn't any big fish. Like, yeah, I heard Jackson Orr called an eight, eight, nine pounder back there. But for me, I didn't get that bite. So in my head, but I was mm -hmm. fine and happy with 19s. You know, maybe give me a 20. Cool. Catch a 20. I'm happy with that. So I go back there, and uh, I just couldn't take it any longer. I just went to the back, got in the very back, and everything is different. Oh, and this, you want to talk about freaking out. I'm in the back, and usually where I went through, I'd marked the day before and put a drop pin, and it said 1.9 feet. Uh, I think 17 inches is what I said. 1.9 feet, 17 inches. Uh, and I think I said uh, jackhammer or something. 
and it was 2.9 feet deep. It had came up from 1.9 to 2.9. I wasn't, I wasn't even paying attention, but before I got back there, my on where I was fishing those trees was typically 50 when we were starting off. So a good temperature, a perfect temperature for them to be pushing up in those back spots. And uh, 42 was that morning's temperature. I couldn't find mm -hmm. any warm water. And I started to worry. I almost went back and packed up and just said, I'm going to go to the main lake and just test my luck. And whether I try to do some panopics offshore or find some deep fish, because I knew some fish with that cold front had pushed back. But it's a gamble, too, because sometimes when fish go up, in my opinion, they stay. They're, they're there. Yeah, they do. Stay. Yeah. So for me, I was like, well, I can go offshore and maybe find the big girls that haven't even pushed up yet on those brush piles, or I can stay here. And I ended up going to the back and uh, finding that it was, the water was deeper. Everything was just completely different. Well, I kept going further back and further back. And uh, I asked that, that girl, I'm, I hope I don't mess her name up, but I'm pretty sure her name was Wesley. And she said, uh, I'm getting warmer temperatures in the back. And I just remember her saying that. And I, it just hit me. All this was was a pocket. And way out in front was a river channel. So if that water was, that river was rushing that morning, so I knew that if the river was coming up, it's pushing all that water in the back. And uh, I went in the back and I found 49 degree water temperatures. And at that point, I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to keep going back. And normally I had marked where it started to get clear. It was brown as can be. And I hadn't had a single bite. And, um, and it was even 49 degrees. I don't think it was till 11 or 12 o'clock until I started to catch fish. And I had to go further back and further back. Because the previous day at two o'clock, I had stumbled upon something very, very good. Uh, I made seven casts and I caught six 16 inches, which they didn't help me at all for the day before. But every single cast I'd never, and it was just wide out in the open. Literally, I was picking trees apart the day before. But with 10 minutes left before two o'clock before I left, I caught seven, six to seven fish within seven to eight casts. And I just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm getting out of here. And then the, I, I felt bad. I kind of lied. They're like, did you catch anything back there? I'm like, no, I didn't catch nothing back there. There ain't no fish back there. <laughs> That's like, I'm telling you what I'm, uh, I'm not going to tell you there's fish back there. I'm competing again. <laughs> but same guy preaching about Jesus. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. There's some things you got to tell, but then there's some things that just like, whoa. <laughs> but uh, I ended up going back there and got a small limit, uh, all 12, 14. I'm like, this is going to be tough. I had like seven people match me. I had my Air, AirPods in. I'm usually on the phone like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on with my buddies or with other people? My mom calls sometimes. Like, So we just kind of going back and forth. And uh, they're like, dude, it's tough. I had my other buddy from Mississippi. He's like, hey, dude, you're good. Keep up, Keep it up. You just bumped up to like six. I'm like, sixth place with – 65 inches so i knew right then it's a tough bite but i knew that tough bite of those fish that typically were going to eat the day before at 9 to 12 o'clock if they did anything there's going to be another bite window when that sun comes out and it's going to be straight fire it is going to be on fire mm -hmm. and it's not just going to be for me so i have to capitalize for everything that i can and uh i was actually in the clear water for about two and a half hours and i had to throw on the golden golden shiner jackhammer at that time and I was throwing the ghillie too. I didn't get any bites on the ghillie that day. But uh, I was going back to the dirty, dirty water, going to pick it apart. 
And at this time, I'd probably caught 15 fish. So I knew the bite was starting to pick up. And uh, I turned around, and I literally just got done saying a prayer. And I asked Heavenly Father, where should I go? And uh, typically, he doesn't always answer. I'm not going to act like he does. And I'm just some perfect angel child because I'm not. But uh, all I could, all I remember was turn around. And I turned around and flipped at the first tree with a chatter. Well, yeah, I casted the first tree with a chatterbait and pulled out of 21. I didn't realize it was that big. I actually boat flipped it. Uh, I grabbed, I saw how big it was, but it was too far. I was too close to getting it. And I cannot tell you how many fish that I miss with a freaking net. I am not a net guy. I just can't do the net thing. <laughs> I'm still learning that, you know, just like with panoptics. I've even extended my handle on my net to figure it out, but I'm all about standing up, running to the nose of my boat, grabbing into my rod, just yeeting them in. And uh, when I saw the head on that thing, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. And uh, obviously I have my, my sponsors, Yak Rods, and those X shatters are just, those they're composite rods, and they are absolutely beast. And I flipped that thing in, and I remember just laying on top of it. I laid on top of that fish, and he's flipping around. I'm like, you're not – jackhammer flipped out of its mouth just it stabbed me like six times in my el- in my shoulders and my arms went through my <laughs> my clothes but he Dang. wasn't getting out dude i freaked out i called it 18 after that and then i i just started doing everything i can and i remember like four people messaged me at that time and they were following the standings back in utah and california and they're like dude you're sitting in first you got first by like four inches i'm like oh i started to panic i just started to i, I think i really to be honest with you i started to cry I was, I was just so like, happy. Yeah. I was so, I was just so grateful because regardless if I won or not, I knew that I'd done everything that I needed to do, you know, and I'd done the best that I could fish. You know, there was nothing that I could say. Yeah. I missed a few fish, but I did all that I could. And, uh, yeah. And then that, that's when it started getting really, really close because, uh, Aaron Mathis messaged me. was like, Hey, you got Rolanda by 1.75 inches. Then he called a, he called a fish and uh, she called me. She's like, he just passed you. He has, he's beat you by 0.75. I'm like, Ooh. So I had, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want somebody doing that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's too much, too much. Aaron. Dude, it, it made it that much more insane. Like it was, it was a little over the top, but it was so much fun for him, me and him going back and forth. Like it was probably three times that he passed me. I passed him. He passed me. I passed him. Well, that's four. But on the mm-hmm. fourth time when I had passed him, I was had him by 0.75. And uh, I caught another 16. And it put me up at two inches at 0.75. So it was almost three inches. So I'm just like, I got this. So I, I started flipping trees and started getting bigger bites and bigger bites. And then all of a sudden, Aaron messaged me. And she's like, he's got you by two inches. I'm like, huh, two inches. Holy just caught an A-rig fish. He just doubled up. I know he called that without it. a doubt. And uh, I'm like, there's no way that he just called that quick. He just doubled up on the A-rig fish with a giant and a mediocre. And yep. uh, <laughs> I just kept doing everything I could, man. And I needed, uh, I think, like an 18 to pass him. And I flipped a chatterbait with like three minutes left and uh, let it fall down. As soon as it fell down, I jerked it. Bam, he stuck it. And I, it was the fish. I knew it was the one. And it was one inch short. It was a 17-incher, and I needed it to be an 18. So, and that was it for me. I didn't catch no more fish with the three minutes left. I 
I went everywhere I possibly could. I broke off my flipping reel. I almost threw that reel in the water. I was like, I was just panicking, man. I was rushing <laughs> back and forth. And yeah, that makes it exciting, man. To go and go, was, you know. Dude. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't look at the leaderboard much because it messes with my head, you know, and it See, and it takes to stop probably. It it throws me off, man, because I, I start feeling rushed. You know, and I, I feel like I don't fish the way I'm supposed to fish if I look at the leaderboard. So I the only way I look at the leaderboard is if I know I'm like like a hundred inches, you know, I got then I'll take a look at the leaderboard. But if I'm somewhere in the 70s, 80s, I'm like, man, I don't even want to look at it. You know, if I I end up where I end up. So I didn't even know that that all of that was going on. I was just trying to catch fish. <laughs> and so but. But yeah, sorry, man. I, I I just wanted to touch that, you know, say that that's exciting, man. Whenever you, you know, that you're actually going neck to neck once you look back on it, right? So no, dude. I thought I thought it was awesome. It was like you said, Diane. It was it was over the top, man. It was <laughs> it was a little bit too much for my soul, but it was, dude. It was so much fun <laughs> going back and forth. What was your day two like, Rolando? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so let me get into that. But he called it, man. He uh, I did I doubled up on an A rig when you said that. Um, and it was a 19.75 and a 16 something. And, uh, but day two was, um, I, I made a judgment call last minute. Everybody kept asking me in the house. Like, they're like, Hey, you going back to your day one spot? Because the guys that I was staying with, they're like, Hey, we don't want to go fish anywhere where you're going to go. Uh, so that, because you're in contention and we're not. So I was like, man, you know, I appreciate that. I was like, man, but I'm still like in between whether if I want to go back to my spot to the place spot one, versus my my other spot down south and i kept i said can i can i tell you guys in the morning and they're like all right tell us in the morning and then we'll decide whether we want to you know because they wanted to go where if i wasn't going to my spot where i caught my first fish they wanted to go there so i said yeah that's fine you can go there if i don't go so i said but let me think about it i was like i really got to do some studying before i go to bed and in the morning i'm gonna make a last minute call so i woke up in the morning and I was like, I looked at the weather and I said, man, it's going to be bluebird skies, going to be kind of calm. I was like, I need more docks. I was like, I definitely need docks. So I said, yep, I'm going to go south. So I told the guys, I'm going south and uh, show up on the ramp. There's only two other people there. So I'm like, sweet. This is a vast, big area, plenty of water for three people. So I just go, I make the run to my brush pile where I lost the big one. And I... Uh, you know, start fishing it, don't see very much. And I said, well, before I leave, let me just throw, I was like, these conditions could be good for the A-Rig. Let me, I never throw it. I was like, but something gave me a good feeling. I was like, man, just tie it on and throw it out there see what happens. So I tie it on, throw it out there. I run it through the brush pile. Boom, I get hammered. I catch one, I think within the first hour. And I'm like, okay, that's good. Man, after that, it was no good. I went hours probably with no fish. 10.45, I think I had two small uh one decent fish was like a 16 and one small fish and uh i started panicking man because i was like man none of my none of my offshore stuff is working out nothing's coming through and on one area that I, there was a cove that was not very far that i had found some spotted bass and i was like you know what i don't care i just need five fish on the board i don't care if they're 12 inches uh -huh. and i did i put up some 12 inches on there and i ended up getting three of them off where i had found that spot and it gave me my limit, but it was a tiny limit. And so at that point, I said, okay, it's one o'clock. 
I got a long way back to the ramp and I got all these boat ramps that I, or all these boat, or all these docks that I got to hit. So I said, Oh, and I got to, I, I remembered, I was like, I got to adjust the water level. So I looked up to see what the water level was for, for Toledo. So I adjusted that on my maps so I can see which docks were still in good water that I wanted to fish. And I only had seen about it, about five of them that were still good in that transition point. And so I did, so I went straight to those ramps or to those uh, boat docks. I literally caught a fish off of every one of them. And so I just decided to go, you know, when I pulled up, I said, let me, it was big enough and there was stuff, the, the boats were out of the water. So they weren't sitting in the, in the docks and they had a lot of shade. So I said, let me just throw the Alabama ring in there. I threw it in there and uh, caught one cold, a 12 with the 16. I was like, sweet. Then I threw up in there again, caught another one, cold another 12 out. And uh, I just went doing that in every dock. And on one of those, I was going into the cove. And uh, on the side scan, I spotted something right in the middle of the cove, which was like a lay down. It looked pretty good. So I decided I was going to, you know, just finish my route, come back. I'll check that out. Went over it. Didn't really see a whole lot on it. So I just took a gut feeling. I was like, man, just cast over it one time. See if anything unglues from the bottom of it. So I threw that Alabama rig out there and I was slow rolling it. And uh, it was about, it was sitting about close to 20 feet of water. I was slow rolling that thing. And then, man, I hear, I felt that, that, that thump set the hook, man. And it felt big. I was like, man, here's the kicker that I needed. But instead, it was actually two decent the fish, double. man, yeah. the double. And so I pulled them up, man. And my net that I use is not a really big net. So I I was going to try to net them. And I was like, dude, I can't net these fish. And I'll, they're like pulling in different directions. I'm like, shit, I need both of these fish. you know. And so I just let the net go. And it's like floating. So I just grabbed the line and I boat flipped both of them on that A-rig. And uh, as soon as I boat flipped one, one of them came off. And mm. I was just like, man, I'm glad I got those in just in time. <laughs> and I put those on the board and I was like, man, that that hopefully should help me stay in, in first. And uh, and because at that time I already had checked and there was only minutes left, I think, at that point. There wasn't very it was late in the day. It was like and, 10 minutes when you did yeah. it. yeah maybe maybe 20 because aj cut the board off a little bit early but it was like 20 minutes left maybe yep yep and i was like man this is exactly what i needed so and and i just continued fishing all of those docks man and i i caught a few fish that were just didn't help me so i just kept throwing them back but most you know day one was rattled was a jerk bait uh spinner bait and a couple of fish on a rattle trap. Day two was predominantly the Alabama rig and a few fish on the jerk bait. Um, but those bluebird skies was a good judgment call on my part to go south to find those fish in the shade that were high, that were tucked in in those docks and uh, or that deeper water in the laydowns. But for me, they were pretty much glued down to the bottom both days. I didn't really get to see the live scope didn't help me really see a ton of fish roaming around. It just helped me um, see my bait, basically, where I was running it through. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions 
that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, good deal, guys. Congrats. I mean, we don't want to hold you up here too long here. Uh, <laughs> but before we let you go, we always want to give everybody a chance to shout out anybody that makes fishing easier for them. Uh, we'll start with you, Cody. Oh, perfect. Put me on the spot. Oh, yeah. Well, Yak no, Rods, you got the hat. Yeah. No, absolutely. I always struggle with this. Um, yak Rods, um, in my opinion. Hen- Henley Custom Baits. That's right. Henley Custom Baits. That's all. I, I do throw a lot of other stuff, you know. Once, once I go to other places, I do throw other stuff, but I'm, I'm, I stick to all my stuff. I love it, man. I'm, it, I thought it was going to take me a little while to get used to that, but I'm, I'm super, I, I don't know. I just got used to it now. Uh, Dakota lithium kept me powered 24 seven. Always he says, uh oh. No, um, no, that's good. No. <laughs> uh, Dakota lithium, uh, 13 fishing. Uh, their reels are, absolutely my favorite the tx2 did literally everything for me the entire trip like i use the slide the z slides a little bit the concept z slides but that tx2 is literally just money for me and i think i'm going to swap out all mine and just have that reel and just different gear ratios uh newport vessel i just jumped on board with them i think uh, a couple days ago maybe newport vessels oh. uh ba- battle baits Dude makes some amazing jigs. I've, I've seen some cool, like, they have, like, the, it's almost like the, oh, what's it called? Like the Mega under- Masoka Shira. It's yes, like the, the prop head. Yeah, yes. they, they do he have some good things. Like, he's got some amazing molds. Like, it's just unreal. Everything's hand-tied. He doesn't use wire. He actually uses the string. Oh, I've never had any problems. Like, his spin. everything are just, just phenomenal. He makes some killer stuff. Um Let's see, we, we have battle baits. I always struggle with this, man. You might have to come back to me. I'm pretty sure that's what? it, man. Oh, that's no, good. no, no. I just jumped on board with Rogue, with Rogue Fishing. Okay. Uh, kayak Cushion, the most comfortable. I, everybody oh. has that. I've seen your pictures, Orlando. Dude, those cushions. Dude, are, those things are so, oh my so God. comfortable. I, I, I use one on my office chair because I work from home. I sit on one all day. Yeah, I, I yeah. love mine. <laughs> I, I don't even use it in the kayak. Time. Yeah. You don't use it in your kayak? No, I my seat's oh, fine. Man. But yeah. Dude, you know, you I, should I, try. Yeah. My seat was fine too. I, yeah. I I've doubled up now. I have one sitting and in my back. I'm like, oh dude, it's yeah. so nice. It oh, is nice. And uh P line. P line boat flipped every single fish. Not a single fish was netted the whole trip. The tactical fluorocarbon? Uh, I actually you... swapped over. Uh, I do use tactical steel. I actually swapped over to the ultimate. No stretch. Absolutely no stretch. And it's hurt me a few times. I'm actually going to have to put tactical on a few rods. But I've been flipping right by the boat. And I've set the hook. And it's just so strong. And just with no stretch at all, you can just pop where, where your tie is off. So depending on how far you're flipping. But on most cases, I like the no stretch. When I'm ready to hook set, I want the hook set immediately. And it's the most of not abrasive, anyways, too. Cool. Nice. I, I'll have to check that out. That's yeah, it. man. Oh, man. Go ahead, Rolando. 
So Rolando, uh, yeah. yeah. So for me, you? man, I, I don't have too many sponsors, but I do have. Uh, I got Outdoor Alphas here in San Antonio Tackle Shop. Uh, they just expanded too, so they're opening up a bigger shop, and it's. I'm pretty excited about that. They support me with all my tackle and gives me a discount on a lot of the, the, the you know, just the lures. And uh, and he's a Daiwa dealer, so I, I tend to fish a lot of Daiwa rods and reels. And uh, big fan of the Daiwa. Um, I didn't. I used to be a Shimano guy, and I switched over to Daiwa now. And I have to say that I'm really impressed with their braking system. It just that braking system they have is amazing in the wind. It's just you don't get any backlashes. Um, which uh, which reels do you use? The regular, the SV, or the, the SV? So I have a few SV Tatulas. I do have a Zillion, and I have a Steez. Um, yeah, Watch the Steez. The Steez is is really nice. But honestly, man, you can just go with the SV Tatulas. Um, they all got the great braking systems built into them. You know the. Um, what is that? Uh, air brakes or the? They don't have the little weights like the way they do, um, like Shimano does or anything. It's their. Oh my gosh, I went blank right now. I can't. You got to look into the braking system for Daiwa. It's it's top notch, and especially in the wind. So if you if you're an angler that trouble that has trouble, you know, backlashing, dude, those things are amazing for that, <clears throat> and you still can bomb them pretty far. Uh, I'm, other- I'm about to get a new reel. I dropped one over a rod and reel over the <sighs> over the side last weekend, and and oh, I no. Dustin Dustin uh Dustin Nichols said same thing. The SVs, so dude, I, the SVs I, are I, awesome. I think I might be getting one. Mm-hmm. That T that T T uh, wing system actually T-wing, works yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the other sponsor is uh, Jared Souls. He's a custom rod builder here in San Antonio. Um, he builds me, you know, he has. He's building my swim bait rod, and he's also building my uh, jerk bait rod. I had a trouble finding a really good jerk bait rod because I really love jer- throwing the jerk bait, and uh, I just kept pulling fish off a lot. And I finally got him to find me a blank. We build one, and man, it's perfect. So if you're in the San Antonio area, you gotta look Jared up. He he does some good work on the custom rods. Uh, and then recently, you know, kayak cushion man, I talked to them and. Uh, they put they put me on their team there, so it's kind of nice to to be able to be you know part of that. So those things are comfortable, man. I didn't realize yeah. I needed them, so till I try them out, I was like, you know what? They got a discount. I think I picked one picked one up on the discount thing, and I said I might as well order two of those. I threw them on there, man. I was on the water. I was like, dang, dude, these things are so comfortable. I was like, oh, it's night and day, yeah. dude. It's night and day. Yeah. What 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 what's your jerk beta choice? Uh, yeah, just I got, one. I got, uh, vision if it's just one, yeah, it's the vision 110. It's the mega bass. <laughs> we didn't um, have to bring you here. Cody could have done the whole interview for you, Rolando. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, and then, and then, and then if you, if you don't want to spend that kind of money, you want to, you want to, the Berkeley, uh, stunner. Stunner. Yeah. Yep. It's really good. So, uh, the, you don't have to change so much heart. You don't have to really do anything to the stunner. You take it right out of the package and throw it. So it's really good. The, the, the Vision 110, you you got to be careful with that one. It just has amazing action, but it you do have to be careful with those hooks. Sticky. Woo. Yeah, they are very sticky. <laughs> They're very sticky. But if you have a rod that's not very parabolic and not soft, you will straighten, straighten out those hooks. Yeah. Yep. I'm not a treble okay. bait thrower, so I'm not going to act like I know what I'm talking about. 
I hate trouble. Yeah, no, but but yeah, I don't. Uh, if I can catch a fish on a straight shank hook, I'd prefer to do that for sure. Trouble hooks can get you in trouble, but uh, that jerk bait is hard to resist, man. Yeah. <laughs> it works, man. All right. Yeah. Can I give one well, there, more? I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go man. ahead, man. I just, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Yak Attack. Um, on the way down to Kissimmee, I had someone come and pile my driveway, have uh, 10, inch, 10 feet of snow here, it feels like, probably like six feet. And uh, I covered up my push pole, the parking pole. And they, they speed shipped me one down to Kissimmee at the house that I was staying at. That's so they awesome. literally saved my life. And I used that the whole entire tournament down in Kissimmee with the wind, the whole entire tournament. And uh, I don't think I used it at Fork. Uh, we don't want to talk about Fork. Fork kicked <laughs> my butt. I caught two yes. fish on day two. I mean, I did just show up, but regardless, I still got wrecked, dude. And yeah, uh, that I used it the whole entire time Neither. on uh, almost Abyssino, but on Toledo Bend. So huge shout out to them. Awesome people and awesome equipment, too. There yeah. Well, that's it. That's all we got. Uh, we appreciate Thank it, guys. guys. Thank you for being on. And again, congratulations and good luck the rest of the year. All right, man, guys. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Okay. See y'all, guys. I'm going. Take care, Thank guys. You. Thank congratulations you. Congratulations again. All right. There we go. Now, that's talk a, about that's a couple a great of. Info. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, pe people, two guys that's been having a great year, short short year so far but they've done a great job so yeah yeah um, great anglers got a few tournaments here to talk about first we had the peach state kayak anglers they were on uh that evil lake seminole there was 47 anglers uh nick dyer 93 inches matt voigt with 86 and a half and andy alger with 85 and three quarter uh kayak anglers of florida on tenor rock J -j -j giant bass um 40 they had 49 anglers. Seth Taylor was in first with a 107 and a half. Sherman Bishop with 103 and Conrad Cornbread Spaghetti, old Conrad Benetti with 88 inches. Your so BFF? it was 107, 103, 88. So that's pretty crazy. Florida. Uh, yeah, Florida. And then we had Swamp County Kayak Bass Association. And this was all, this one was weird. Because it was only 20 anglers, but it was a bass event that was going on the same time as Toledo Bend. Yeah. So there was like a bass event and a Hobie event on the same lake at the same time. That's like and, screwing your cousin. That's a <laughs> and the it, Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League, which Rolando yeah. won. We didn't tell him about that, but he yeah, won as well. Saturday. Ninety. There was 90 anglers. Rolando got first with 90. Jonathan Carter in second with 88 and three quarter, and Jeff Isham with eight and third with 85 and three quarter. And uh, then you had the ABA Hobie. That's a ABA Hobie linked event on Lake Paris out in California, 40 anglers, Jonathan Demone with one Oh one second place had 77 and three quarters. So he won by 23 inches, 24 inches, uh, Stephen Butcher and then third place, Pat Hanning. And then the two that I was in are, the on Saturday was Tennessee Valley kayak anglers, 35 anglers, three fish limit. I'm on that one, 75, 57 and three quarter. Michael Cooper in second with 56 and a quarter. Joseph Kirk in third with 56 and a quarter. And then Sunday was a rattle trap on Gunnersville. 
uh, route, Bill Lewis route trap only tournament, 38 anglers. My boy, Sam, who I stayed in the house with, he had 93 inches, sacked him up. Uh, second was Christopher Marks, Naki guy, 88 inches and Joshua Sharp. And third with 81 and three quarter. And then I got fifth in that one, but whatever I had, not enough. I think I had like 80 and a half. So day, day one was great. I caught him on like a jerk bait, a swim jig and uh lipless. And then day two, I fish the same area and I had another kayak angler show up and we split fish and, you know, it was a small, I saved, I tried to save my fish on day one and didn't hit them too hard. I left at 11. So they would still, you know, so I left playing fish and then day two, I I wasn't the only one, you know, small area and other kayak angler shows up and, you know, so there went my fish. So what can you do? Yeah. For me, Hobie BOS Toledo day one, um, the wind, not to make excuses, really, it's more like uh, inexperience. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's so tough. A no. big national event, it's tough to go out there and do No, well. and 30, mid, 30 mile per hour winds, that's kind of like screwing me over. I got, I couldn't find anything. I did hook into a big bass, but the wind kept pushing me towards the bass. And I, like, I didn't set the hook on it. I felt the tension and I know I had a bass, and but I couldn't set the hook because the wind was just like pushing me right towards it. And when I got it to the boat, I didn't even set the hook. I couldn't even set the He opened his mouth and, it, and just spit it out the hook like nothing like i never had any penetration on that hook set um mm. but other than that man i got into a deep creek that i've studied on google maps and i figured it was going to be productive because and in the mouth of the creek um there was a lot of bass or at least a lot of fish that i could find on the side scan but i just couldn't cast with the wind hitting it straight in the mouth of it there's no way i could like the only thing I could throw was like maybe like a half ounce jig. Everything else would just fly away and I couldn't hold my position. So I went deep into the creek, found a nice spotted bass, 17 inch, and kept going. And then I ran into, this is, this is how great this creek was. It was about five feet wide and 10 feet deep. And it was holding fish. And I got to a log and I started flipping at the mm-hmm. log two or three times when I realized it was not a log, it was a gator. And keep in mind, I mean, I don't know how big it was because I can only see the head of the gator when it opens his eyes. But I'm thinking, okay, this is like five feet wide. The only way I continue is I literally have to go over him because his head is on the shore, but the rest of the body is submerged. And I'm thinking, judging by the head, this is not a three-foot gator. It's got to be like maybe six-foot gator. And again, I'm not an expert on reptiles, but I can tell it's not a small gator. It's not a baby gator. Yeah. Sounds like, you know, business decision here. Do I really want to go over this guy to kind of keep going? Or I just, you know, count my losses and head back. But funny story, on the way back, the wind was so hard. Like, I, I, there's, I mean, I had a few scares too, because there was a timber forest. And one of the, and at one point, I got oh, like wedged like a like a stump, got wedged in the scupper hole, and the waves were sitting hitting me and sideways, and I had to completely lean towards the wave and get splashed by the wave in order not to flip until finally a wave big enough kind of like lifted me over the the stump um, and got me out. But I mean, what would have taken twenty minutes from point A to point B, you know, pedaling, took me literally almost an hour and a half. I mean, there was points where I was like 
paddling, pedaling, and I was literally at the same spot for two or three minutes. Like I was getting <laughs> an, an inch per, hour, per per five minutes, something like that. And, you know, I'm drinking water, trying to keep myself hydrated. This is, I mean, it's raining. I got, this is what I got. I got my underwear, my leg warmers, my, um, my, um, uh, waders. I got a jacket, you know, winter jacket. Then I got the raincoat on top of the jacket. Then I got this like fly fishing, um, ve uh, life PFT, which I love, but it has two zippers. Like you have to open two zippers in order to take it, the jacket out. So I'm getting to the boat ramp. I need to go. Like, I need to go to the bathroom quick. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. So I get to the boat ramp. There's a convenience store. It was closed. It was an old gasoline station. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I was like, where do I? It's kind of like an open area. Like, and there's people around, you know, that's at lines out. So I'm like, I have nowhere to go to the bathroom. This is not like an isolated ramp where I can go to the woods. Like, I'm like... 50 feet from, from the highway and, you know, and, and on the other side, it's like an, like a, like a rental place, you know, where people on vacation. So I'm like, well, I need to go. So I figured I'd just go to the car, open the door and just kind of like, you know, cover myself with the car. On my oh, way yeah. to the car, this guy keeps kind of stops me and I'm trying to be nice. And he's asking me how I did and all that. And I'm like, dude, I gotta go. I'm like, I gotta <laughs> go bad. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking all this uh, stories would tell us kids that if you don't go to the bathroom, you're going to break it, you know? <laughs> so finally I'm losing the battle. I'm on my waders and I'm like, that's it. I can't do it. And I'm talking to this guy, this guy's going on and on about what he found. And this guy fishing on the boat tournament and I'm just peeing on myself on my waders. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with somebody looking in the eye while you're peeing on yourself, but that was the first for me. And this guy's talking, I'm just peeing on myself. And I was thinking, you remember that movie Dumb and Dumber when, you know, they're driving with the moped up to Aspen and Harry and yeah. he tells Harry, you know, I got to go. And he says, just go. And oh, he says, like, oh, I, I feel yeah. warm. That's exactly, yeah. I feel like, ah, oh, this is not bad. It's just really warm. <laughs> did Was it the whole, did you do the whole thing or did you like? Yeah, I couldn't stop. Just... I was like, what? I just might. And keep in mind, I've been, I drank like a gallon of water. Yeah. All right. So I got, and I'm like, this feels warm. And all the pee went to my right foot. So my right foot weighs <laughs> is really heavy. 20 pounds and my left <laughs> foot is light as a feather. And finally the guy stops talking and I'm trying to load my kayak, walking like people look at me like, what's wrong with this are you, guy? Are you swooshing? What, what's, yeah. that, what's that water sound I hear? Yeah, no, the thank, thank God I didn't order the side asparagus that night at the, the night before at the steakhouse because that, that would have been even worse. <laughs> so you drove spell. home with... With piss on your oh, well, I had to load my waiting? kayak and everything, which which the boat ramp is full. So I'm like, you know, this warm pee is eventually gonna get cold, and I need to get out of here. You know, thankfully the you know the the insulation on the waders kept it warm for a little bit. But yeah, it took me like 45 minutes to get home. I'm driving in the car for like 30 minutes on my own piss. <laughs> <laughs> Dog man. I went into the shower with my waiters and everything on. I'm like, I've, this is the first for me. So I don't know if you ever had that happen before, but it's uh, it's weird.
It's a weird sensation. No, no I, you know what, Armando? <laughs> I can't say I have. I've had a few experiences, but so I nobody I, I out there say. listening on podcasts, Ooh. please comment on the Paddle and Fin. Let us know if you've gone through anything like that. Oh, I don't want to be you. the only one, but it was fun. You might be the only one. Nobody has no, I'm, no, I'm sure. I'm sure it's um, happened. They might not admit it like you did, but I'm sure some people have. I, I've done some things out on the water before I'm not proud of, but I've never pissed on my waders. But yeah, well, I've done go. things, so there you go. Very All right, everybody. Well, uh, as always, we appreciate you listening, watching, whatever you do. Like, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Five-star review. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. We appreciate it. But uh, thank you, and we'll see you again next week. Armando, thank you for coming on tonight. Appreciate it. My pleasure filling in for Jimmy. Love Jimmy, we love you. Come back. This is your home. Yeah. Whenever you can, man. Whenever you're ready. And as always, uh, wear your PFDs, people. See you next week. Stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs, when in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.